God, and good to see all of you in the house of the Lord, having David back with us, and sweetheart, come on up here. Only one person should be moving at this time, and uh, anyway, that's an old joke, but uh, it's good to, good to have all of you in the house of the Lord. Why don't you lead us in the new confession, and I'll lead us in the old confession. Are you ready? Yeah, men first. Okay, go That's the way it was in the garden. Yeah, sure, go ahead, honey. Okay, are you ready? The Word of God God is true. Is true. If I live the Word, I I will be blessed. I will be blessed. And if I don't, don't, I won't. won't. It's just that simple. It's just that simple. The Apostle Paul said, I desire you not be ignorant. So turn to your neighbor and tell him, I desire that you not be ignorant. It is just that simple. He said it. I know. That's exactly what he said. My (laughs) kind of guy. Let's all say this together. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me. Say that again. My best days are right in front of me. And I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Amen. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Hey, where's John? Let's give John a hand for being back with us. Is he all the way back there in the back? Good to have him back. A funny funny thing? Think of a lot. No. You want me to tell him? No. No, I I really don't have one. Okay, I have a funny. I just thought, I watched this over and over for 30 minutes. Now, my life is busy, but this was so funny. I was healed by the end of it. Everybody say, the joy of the Lord. Is my strength. strength. How many of you just need strength sometimes? I need strength sometimes. And so I saw this video. Wait, just a second. (laughs) I saw this video. And, you know, social media, uh, for one thing, I go and work out in the morning. And I go about four to seven. And I go and get in my car. And I turn on my car. My phone dings and says seven minutes to Elmwood Avenue. I think, how the heck do you know where I'm going? phone have you ever had that happen with your cell phone like it knows where I am and it knows my patterns enough to tell me oh she's up if in case you don't know where you're going you're going to Elmwood Avenue I thought somebody is watching me and then my brother told me in South Africa his his pictures on his cell phone started organizing themselves according to the ones he was in, according to the ones he wasn't in, and he didn't even ask it to. Everybody said, those cell phones are powerful, or somebody's powerful, and it's not just God who's watching us. So uh, and when I saw this video, I thought, this is the way it really is. So you got you to see this. Go ahead. Everybody on the floor, this is a battery! Don't move! Don't move! Get down! Don't move. Get down and stay down! You move! Money! Money! Open the floor! Mr. Johnson? Eric Johnson? How does she know your name? I don't know. Your mobile app pinged us when you walked in. Looks like you were on our website and thinking about buying a house. You moving out, man? I need my space. You may think you can't afford a new home, but we have some amazing new rates. I could text them to you. Oh, those are fantastic. And Mr. Davis? Yeah, it's me. Did you click on one of our emails about consolidating your student loans? Maybe. Oh, well, we can help you with that, too. Hey, 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 what are you doing? This is a robbery, remember? We gotta go! Come on! Can I lock those rates in on the app? Well, of course you can, sugar. Somebody's watching, and your phone is going to tell where you are, so make sure you're doing what you plan to do. (laughs) That is funny. That is funny. That's Adobe's commercial, if you want to look it up, their newest one. Those ski masks brought back memories to me. How How many of you remember Larry Dalton? Larry Dalton and I started the prison ministry up in uh, uh, Logansport when we first heard they were going to start incarcerating youth up there. And so we were in on the ground floor. Mike Lamana does that ministry now and does a great job with it. And, uh, but back then, uh, it was Larry and I going up there, and some of you may be from the church back then. It's been several years ago, several years ago. 
And so we asked them one time, we said, uh, we'd like to bring gifts up at Christmas for all, all of the uh, guys that are here. And they said, sure, no problem. And so uh, Larry and I went out, and uh, we bought, I think they had 120 guys. So we bought 120 uh, sock caps. We thought that'd be really cool. And we gift wrapped all of them. And uh, so when we got there, we gave them to them. They said, well, we need to check them over. And they said, well, they're just, they're just sock caps. And they said, well, let us check them over anyway. So they opened the first one. <laughs> we're standing there before we could go out for the guys. And uh, I thought they were sock masks. They were ski masks. And all these guys were in there for burglaries and arm robberies and all sorts <laughs> of stuff. And, and we brought them 120 ski masks to wear in there so they couldn't be identified. And the guy looked at me, and I said, that's Larry's idea. No, I didn't. <laughs> I, I didn't say it that I really didn't, but uh, they confiscated all of them. I have no idea where they ended up, but they said, no, you, this doesn't fly. So we lost all of our ski masks. <laughs> well, the, the word tonight is uh, that we're going to be talking about how the wisdom of God is available to all of us if we'll just ask him for it. In other words, God knows exactly what he wants you to know. As a matter of fact, tell your neighbor, God knows exactly what he wants you to know. <clears throat> and, and, and if you'll ask him, he'll give you the wisdom to be able to know what he wants you to know so that you'll know what to do. Now, the word of God is, is our source for everything. But the word of God can be appropriated and we can say things like, my God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory, or I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But we know that God is talking about what he has assigned us to do. In other words, you can accomplish anything that God has for you to do. You can't tell God what you want to do and do anything you want contrary to what he wants you to do. So really, the wisdom of God helps us to, Im to, to implement the plan of God. And we're going to go to James chapter 1 and read there, honey. But over the years, I've learned from the beginning of my walk with the Lord that in the very beginning, <clears throat> before I knew the word, I really just had to hear from God. I had to hear his wisdom because I didn't know anything. And then there were times after a while you get to know the word of God that you just begin to appropriate and do whatever you want without really asking God what his will is in this situation for his wisdom, you just pull, I, I don't think we can call it cherry picking a scripture, but you just pull out a scripture to do what we want, and God's not in, he's in his word, because he and his word are one and the same, but it may not be the wisdom of God as to how he wants us to implement his plan. You know, I was thinking of uh, the scripture, you know, there's, we can know how God does things, and we learn how God's going to do something through one circumstance, and then we run into another circumstance that's similar to what we had before. And even though God may be speaking to us, you know, God spoke to Moses uh, to strike the rock in one place and water would come out. Yep. In another place, it was the same thing. They wanted water, but he said, speak to the rock. Mm -hmm. and, and in the end, Moses just struck the rock just like he did the first time. Sometimes I think we quit listening before we hear what God's saying. Because after we grow in the Lord for a while, we begin to kind of know enough that we stop listening to get the full message. In other words, we see the same situation and, and we just immediately go to what we hear. And he knew God spoke to him, but he didn't speak to it. And he didn't end up getting in the promised land because of that one miss uh, thing that he did, one miss thing. He didn't speak and God said, you didn't honor me. What he was saying was, you didn't use what I said or my wisdom, you used yours. That's good, honey. You, you, we don't want to be over-theological here, but, uh, uh, or under-theological or whatever, but, but call it whatever you want, the wisdom of God. Call it the leading of the Holy Spirit. Call it discernment. Call it whatever you want. But there is something in addition to just knowing the Word of God that you have to add, and that's how to implement the Word of God. And this is what it says in verse number 5 of James chapter 1. Now, let's all say this. Unless I've heard from God, Unless I've heard from God I lack wisdom. I lack wisdom. We have the Word of God. We say, well, no, I don't like any wisdom. I've got everything I need for the Word of God. You need wisdom to be able to implement God's plan and purpose based on His Word. And this is what it says. 
If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives it liberally and without reproach, and it will be given. But let him ask in faith without doubting, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let that not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, for he is a double-minded man and unstable in all of his ways. I think all of us, I, I know I do, and I believe you do too, you know what it's like to be double-minded. Well, I think this, well, maybe I think that, well, I'm not sure, and then all of a sudden you just toss back and forth. That's because we're not living with the wisdom of God. We can take a scripture and say, I can do all things, but then we get a little bit confused sometimes if we don't know exactly how God has imp imp wanted, wants us to imp implement it. Excuse me, my mouth's starting to work wrong. But let's look at what wisdom really means here. The, the wisdom in, in the Hebrew means the principle or the way of right living taken into action. So I think you could say the word put into action. Right In the Greek, it's the right application of the truth. What is the truth? The word of God. How to apply the truth in the Greek. And then the other definition we have from this noted author, Bill, it's how to implant God's will. So let's all say it. God's, oh, do we have that up there? We don't have it up there. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought we had it. Okay. Well, anyway, let's all say it. How to implement, implement God's will, will is God's plan. Okay, well, my plan was to have that all up there so you could see it. But if we know what he wants us to do, then we're ready to implement the plan of God in our life. Amen. You know, in James 3, it says that there's two kinds of wisdom. There's earthly wisdom, and then there's heavenly wisdom or God's wisdom. And now earthly wisdom is really based on what we uh, think <coughs> or our opinion. How many of you have opinions? We all have opinions. Uh, and sometimes our opinions are good, and sometimes our opinions are based on what we come up with in our mind based on the circumstance without hearing what God's opinion or God's will or God's word is for that particular situation. And in James 3, it says that when we get in that position, yeah. uh, we're, we're, we think we're wise and understanding. Because it says in verse 13 of chapter 3, who is wise and understanding among you? Then let him show by conduct, everybody say, implementing the will of God, that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom, the wisdom that comes out of our thinking or uh, sometimes there's things in our life that, that our thinking goes through like a filter. Uh, things that have happened in our life, and we hear something, and it's not necessarily, have you ever had that happen? Somebody said something, and you take it one way, and that's not the way they meant it. It's because it goes through their filter of maybe hurts in their lives or things that have happened. And so when the wisdom comes, it, it isn't matching what what is really the truth of the Word of God. It's going through what that person's been through, and then here comes this wisdom based out of that situation. It says that that wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthy, sensual, and demonic. Everybody say demonic. Listen, the devil will help you think. He will help you act. He will help you uh, analyze and have an opinion or see things. And sometimes it's not the wisdom of God that comes out of that situation. But then it says, um, but the wisdom that is from above or heavenly is first pure. It's peaceable. It's gentle. It's willing to yield. Everybody say willing to yield. Willing to yield. That means that even though it may not be exactly what you want to hear, this wisdom is uh, you're willing to yield to it because it comes from the Spirit of God. It's coming out of heaven. And then it says, and good fruits without partiality, without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So there's two different kinds of wisdom. You know, I have a certain amount of wisdom in some things that maybe I've never experienced the Lord giving me input into that situation. And so I just automatically do what I think is the right thing to do. But it's not always the right thing to do according to what God wants. That's the wisdom that comes from above. And this is the essence of the message, really. <coughs> Everything that you do in your life, every decision you've ever made in your life, has been based on a thought. 
what you thought, and then you implemented. When you think about something, then you will eventually act upon it. So God wants us to be able to think what he wants us to think, to have his wisdom to implement his plan. And many times what we do is we think before we consult. Does that make sense? We think before we consult. I, I've been around people before that, you know, there's a decision to be made, and they say, well, I think we ought to do this. And I think, and some decisions are, you know, we're going to go here to eat or there to eat. I understand that. But, but, but I'm talking about decisions that are really important. And to say, well, you know, somebody will say, well, what do you think we should do? And I'll hear somebody say, well, we ought to do this, 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 and this. And it's like I say, you haven't consulted God. You're just talking off the top of your head. And this is a somewhat serious situation. If you want to know what God thinks, then who would you ask? You, you would ask God. And th there needs to be this gap time when we make decisions as to God, what is it that you think? It only takes a moment to ask God what he thinks. What is his wisdom in this matter? God, and I've said this earlier, but I'm going to say it again and drive this point home tonight. God will never not tell you what he wants you to know. Never. Because he loves you. Like a parent, you'd never not tell your child what you want them to know to implement what your will is for them to do. So you would show them. And that's the way God is with us. And Jesus, it's Luke 2.52, uh, it says Jesus increased in wisdom on this earth. He, as the Son of God, had an increase in wisdom. We should always be increasing in wisdom. And what happens is everything that you do, especially in your thought life and your response life, is based on a preconditioned habit. You have a habit. Morgan said it tonight. She has a habit of taking chocolates out of my office. Glory to God. And she's not the only one, but she's the main culprit. I can <laughs> tell that. Uh, but but uh, I put, uh, now I know this is not a good thing, Brenda, but I put chocolates in my office because it attracts the children. And I love for children to come into my office. And uh, one especially, little Hudson, I can always tell when it's a child because the knock is real low. And this little knock is, and I can tell Hudson's in the building or some little child's here. And so the, the candy is what I lure them with. But I want them to, I want them to be comfortable around me and comfortable in the office. And, and, and they do. They, they do a great job with the, the uh, chocolate, and so does the staff. Uh, <laughs> who, somebody, Hudson, I don't know how many of you know who Hudson is, but it's Luann Reilly's granddaughter, or son. And Hudson is the cutest little kid. I just love that kid. And uh, somebody was in my office getting some, Morgan. was it Morgan? Okay. <laughs> Morgan was in the office uh, getting some chocolate, and Hudson had come to, I wasn't there, but Hudson was looking for me. He opened the door and saw Morgan getting chocolate. He said, what are you doing taking Pastor Bill's chocolate? <laughs> he, he was guarding my chocolate. <laughs> that was really funny. But, but what if I, was I making a point? Increasing in wisdom. Yeah, that we all <laughs> that we all need. To, I don't know what my, I don't know what the point was. I don't know. I I don't know. Are you increasing in wisdom? I'm working that direction. Yeah. I know what my point was now. <laughs> all I am uh, by nature. I think I was born this way. I'm very slow to react. I, I am. It's, I just was made that way, and I like it. I mean, I I am very comfortable with who I am. Turn to your neighbor, neighbor and tell them you should be comfortable with who you are. And if you're not, figure out what you need to fix because you're going to live with that person a long time. And I am comfortable with who I am. Some people seem to get revved up all the time. And I say, well, what is God telling you? I say, I don't know what he's saying. I don't know what he's saying. I say, well, why are you revved up then? Why don't you talk to God and he'll fix the thing. He'll tell you how to respond. Uh, uh, being, where are you laughing? You, are you laughing about something? Yeah, he is. What? You are slow to 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 I am. respond. Yeah. I am. I relate to Forrest Gump. Yeah. <laughs> like tonight, he at four o'clock decided to trim all the bushes in our front yard. Uh, I was on a mission, man. I was church starts at fast. six. I go home. He's in all of his work clothes. He's got everything out. All the utensils. The the what do you call? I was a sculptor. Yes, he was doing bushes. And. Of course, guess what he did? Cut his power line again. <laughs> How many is that now? Uh, two that I know of. Yeah. But uh, the siding's still intact. So we're cheering. You know, because one time he, <laughs> he whacked his leg 
looked down at the blood, and the weed eater took the whole siding off the house. And so <laughs> I said to him, honey, we need to get Mark over here. Uh, <laughs> Mark's back there. He helps us with the church. But, he, you know, he just comes in, calm as can be, sits down on the couch, <laughs> says, guess what? The one thing I learned is you can take a big chunk out of your leg with a weed eater and not even feel it. It really. Yeah. But he just sits down calmly. Guess guess what happened? I said, you got the wire again or the thing. Yep, I did. Going to have to go get another one. Don't have time. Just calm as can be. Nothing phases here. He's real I slow about stuff. I have found. <laughs> he doesn't get upset. There's got to be another description well, of him. Okay. He's real slow. <laughs> He's calm. Yeah, I like Calm, I like, cool, I, and collected. How's oh, that? Oh, yes. I like okay, that. Okay, calm, like cool, and collected. He doesn't rattle. That's I have, what I'm saying. <laughs> But I, but I have found that, I mean, I know what it's like to be upset. When we first got married, oh, I, you know, I had matured a lot, but I'd get upset, and Lori sends a note. We've been married, what, six months, and Lori sends a note and says, don't tell Pastor Bill, or well, not Pastor Bill, don't tell Bill that I did this, but I did this, and I'm so sorry for it, and please don't tell him because I don't want to see him grit his teeth because it makes me scared. <laughs> and I thought, I, surely that's not me, and I guess it was back then, but. But anyway, I found it doesn't help to get upset about anything. T tell you, it doesn't, it doesn't help to get upset about anything. We have somebody that loves us so much that every time something happens that we don't know what to do, which should be most of the time, we say, God, what do you want me to do, or how do you want me to do this? But every time we start to think, we say, God, I'm going to do it my way, and I hope it's your way, but I'm going to do it my way, and we do it. And can I see the hands of all the people? who you've done that and found out that it would have been a heck of a lot better, and maybe the word wasn't heck, but it would have been a heck of a lot better if you'd consulted God first. Can I see your hands? I think all of us have our hand up. So then that becomes a discipline that we have to have in our life. And when David raised Solomon, Solomon became the wisest man on earth. God said there was never going to be another one like Solomon. And Solomon was wise because of what reason? Because he asked God. He asked God. God said, Solomon, what do you want? If God came down at, to you and said, Pam, I want to give you anything you ever want. I mean, I, I know you already have me. But if you say you could have anything you ever want, what, what would you want? I'd want wisdom. I pray for it every time I would you bless want, my food, I ask for wisdom. Would you want that over gold? Gold's yes. $1,200 oh, yeah. $1,200 no, an ounce. No, that's okay. 40, 50 ounces yeah, of gold? No, I'd rather have wisdom. You know, Proverbs says wisdom is better than gold. It really does. So, you would, you would ask for wisdom. Mm -hmm. Because it also says in Isaiah 33, 6, wisdom is the stability of your times. And see, in James, we read that. Uh, you'll be a double-minded man if you don't get the wisdom of God. I, I, I was a double-minded person, so... You know, at a, a point in my life, just total, yes, this is God, no, maybe it's me, maybe it's God, maybe it's, have any of you ever done that? Is this God, is it me, is it God, is it me? And it took me a long time to really get my focus in the right direction and bypass my thinking. And once you get into God's wisdom, there's stability. Everybody says, say, stability. That's good. So you got it all set. You got that down. No more double-mindedness. Because, really, it, it happens. You know what I'm thinking? You, but it happens. Well, but I mean, we have to go to God first, though, because otherwise we'll go to our emotions. It, and, and really, it, it is a question of who do we go through. Now, you would think that Solomon, who was anointed by God to be king and was the wisest man on earth, and people from all over the earth would come to sit at his feet and to glean from him, uh, the story, I forget the exact scripture now, but the, the, the two women who, uh, how does it go? They brought the one, one baby, baby died, died, and the other, yeah, one, the one baby died, and the two women brought, it ended up coming to Solomon. The two women uh, both claimed to be the mother of the live child. How many of you know that story already? And that, it's a fascinating story yeah. about how Solomon said, well, we'll just decide right now. You know, just cut, cut the child in half and give half to this mom and half to that mom. You know, th that was tremendous wisdom that came at a moment's notice for the wisest man on the face of the earth. And then 
immediately when the one mother said, go ahead and do it. And the other mother said, no, no, give it to that mother. And he immediately knew who the mother of that child was. You would think that someone who was anointed with that type of wisdom would never stray. Yet we see in the body of Christ today people that at one time operated with a great deal of wisdom and were blessed by God only to detach from that wisdom and start making their own decisions. All of us have done it somewhere along the line. And instead of staying humble before God and say, God, what is your wisdom? We just start to do it ourselves. God blesses us. God gives us abundance and finances, relationships, friends, physicians, and all. And then we say, God, I know we don't do this in our right mind, but we basically say, God, I can handle it now. You, you've got me where I am. Now I can handle it myself. And then we start making decisions without consulting God. That is exactly what happened to Solomon. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But Pam, you and I know people that, I, I think of people that there is no way in my wildest imagination I thought they would end up where they are. Had a friend that ended up in, uh, uh, he was our youth pastor out in Tulsa. Wonderful guy and wonderful family. And uh, we used to counsel with him and, and you know help him along we could. And, and, and uh, he had tremendous wisdom, had d discernment, had, had everything going for him. Started a church in Oklahoma City or somewhere, a suburb of Oklahoma City and the church exploded to about six, 7,000 people. And in his right mind, everybody say in his right mind. In his right mind, this would have never happened, but he strayed. He knew the Word of God. He didn't have a problem with the Word of God. He had a problem with God's wisdom and implementing the Word of God. And in a moment's time, he ended up in an affair, lost his marriage, lost his church, lost everything, and uh, decided that he wasn't even going to seek godly counsel, that he was going to counsel himself so he could be restored to start another church. It is a slippery slope once you start thinking on your own apart from the wisdom of God. A very slippery slope, huh? Especially in things that God's uh, really put in your heart to do. Yep. There's only one way to do what God says, and that's God's way. Yep. And uh, we, so many times over the years that we've been in ministry, we've, you know, talked with people, and they've heard from God. We, in our spirit, really bore witness that they heard from God, but then they begin to try to implement it in a way that's going to get them to where that is without finding out what God says to do. And in some instances, knowing what God said to do but not wanting to do it because it took too long. Everybody say, it took too long. And, and over the years, at least in my life, uh, God is a, he's line upon line, precept upon precept. And he grows us in the ability to be who we're supposed to be through that acting on wisdom that he gives us and making sure we're going to do it the way he says to do it. Even though uh, I believe a lot of people in our nation, in the world today, could use just good common sense. How, how many of you yeah. know there used to just be like common sense? Yeah. But uh, today, everything has become so me-centered <coughs> that common sense is gone. And definitely, once a person lets go of the wisdom of God and begins to do their way. You know that old song that B Bill likes Elvis's rendition, but you know uh, Frank Sinatra sang it too. I did it my way. Well, that's a that's a great song as long as you're doing God's way, but not so much my way. And we've seen that over the years in the church where people were called, appointed, and anointed to do what God's called them to do, but they decided they wanted to do it their way. And they wanted to do it usually the quick way. Everybody say the quick way. Quick and, way. And wha but when they get where they <coughs> want to be, sometimes they make it. But when they get there, they can't stay there because they didn't do all the steps that God had. And in those steps, things were built into their life, character, uh, faith, uh, the ability to not insist on their own way, the ability to be a team player and not just a solo person. You know, when you play tennis, you do singles, but then you do doubles. Well, when you play doubles, you got to play with the same momentum, but you're thinking about the other guy as well as yourself. A lot of Christians have become singles players. They just do what, you know, and, and in that process, they let go of the wisdom of God, and they're, they're going to win that thing, and they're going to win what God wants. That's what they think they're doing. But everybody say, God's wisdom 
supersedes our ideas. <clears throat> if, if we get, how many of you know you need to do a better job seeking God's wisdom versus just thinking for yourself? I, I feel the same way about myself. It's, it's like it takes a, dis it's no different than saying, you know, I, I need to lose weight or I need to do exercise or whatever. Then you've got to come up with a plan. How am I going to do this so I can make it a discipline in my life? And, and, and then you can begin to do it. When, when we read just a moment ago about Solomon, we're going to talk about him in just a moment because this, I believe, fits nations. It fits, I believe, I believe the United States of America was birthed out of the word of God and the will of God as a Christian Judeo nation. I believe that with all my heart. But because this nation has continually slipped away from the wisdom of God, uh, I was just reading the other day, and, and I didn't realize how many years it had been, but in 1996, President Bill Clinton uh, introduced uh, what was called DOMA, the Defense of Marriage Act. And it was basically an act that stated that we believe in the United States of America that marriage is between a man and a woman and that every state should have that right to enforce that, and that it is biblical in nature. Uh, I don't think the word biblical was in the act itself, but it was basically what the commentary was, that we believe as a Christian Judeo nation, this is the way America should be. Between 1996 and 2013, that DOMA Law Act stood. In 2013, there was an individual and other individuals who said, you know, we, we don't think that's true. We think that it should be that anybody that wants to get married should be able to get married. That is exact contradiction to the word of God. And in that moment, they, it, it gained steam, and many of the politicians realized that, you know, it's going to go better with me if I vote for this because the majority of people are starting to believe that everybody should be happy. That's the buzzword for the devil. Everybody say, everybody should be happy. Doesn't that sound good? It sounds palatable, but you need to let a red flag go up and say, what do you mean everybody needs to be happy? Everybody needs to have the wisdom of God. There are going to be a lot of people that aren't going to be happy with the wisdom of God, but that's because they're straying the wrong way. And in 2013, it ended up before the Supreme Court, and a lot of brain-dead people for Christian Judeo ethical values uh, said that it was unconstitutional to have that law in our land of what was called DOMA, Defense of Marriage Act based on the Word of God. And then you can look at the same thing in abortion. You can look at the same thing in other areas. And people will say, well, wait a minute. You don't understand. People have a right to. People have no rights other than the rights assigned by God himself. Now, when I say that, I know a lot of people say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We should all have rights. As a Christian Judeo nation and as Christians, our rights come from God. My rights to be the man of God that he wants me to be come from God, and so therefore I need to seek his wisdom. And honey, that is hard for some people. It's not palatable because sometimes when God gives us his wisdom and he'll give you a, a nudging as to what to do or what to say and how to implement something, and we'll think, I hear this all the time. Every time I hear it, I just feel like my face gets red. It's like, well, I don't want to do that because it would upset somebody. I, I don't want to upset Susie. I don't know if Susie's here tonight. Hey, Susie, but you know, I, you know what I'm talking about. In other words, I don't, I don't want to upset. That's just a man-pleasing spirit. And we got a man-pleasing spirit in the United States of America and really around the world where people just, up. Oh, yep, I better not say that because somebody won't like it. You know, everything that happens, happens starts out with people, not a nation. It's, it's the people in the nation. And so God speaks to people in that nation to know what is the right thing to do. He speaks to all of us the same thing. The word of God doesn't change from chapter to chapter or book to book. And so uh, if we make the word of God what we base our decisions on, our wisdom on, then we're all going to be in unity. Everybody yeah. say in unity. Yeah. But where disunity begins is when a certain group of people decide that they're not going to live according to the word of God. They're going to live according to, maybe it's a book, maybe it is like their Bible, but it isn't the word of God. Everybody say the word of God. Word and of then God. there's disunity, and then there's instability. Everybody say instability. With unity is stability. With disunity is instability. Good word. 
I thought you were going to keep going. I didn't know oh, you were going to stop there. I stopped. <coughs> back to Solomon, back to one of my heroes, Joshua. Joshua is one of my heroes in the Bible. And Joshua, who was an, a servant, he was obviously very humble to serve, and he was promoted by God. And, uh, and, and so Joshua is being led by God and by the Word of God. And so the Word of God says, everywhere you go, Joshua, everywhere your foot, uh, everywhere you step, that land and those cities are going to be yours, and I'm going to give them to you. So Joshua starts out with all of his fighting men, and he comes into Jericho. And you all know the story. When he came into Jericho, it doesn't say this scripturally, but I believe in my heart he trained those men, he drilled those men, and they were ready to go up, and they were ready to fight and take that city. But then he consulted God. Now, God, what is your plan? And God gave him a plan that was different from anything he'd ever heard before. Turn to your neighbor and tell him he's going to tell you that. His, his wisdom will many times just, oh, my goodness, this can't be God. I've never done something like that before. It is probably God. You've got to learn to hear that voice, that sn small, still inner voice. But God showed him how to do it. March around that city seven times and all these types of things, and the walls came down. And Joshua was so excited. And sometimes in our excitement of victory is the time when we are most vulnerable to the devil because he was so excited about the victory. The walls came down, and now he's getting ready to go up to the Battle of Ai. And he said, hey, guys, what should we do? He talks to the people. And I'm paraphrasing all of this, but you read it sometime. It is the story of life today in Joshua 6, 7, and 8. And he goes up to the people, and the people say, look, the people are tired. They've been wearied, and they need their rest. The Ai is a weak place. It's defenseless to us. You don't need to send anybody up but just a few handful, and Joshua said, go for it, guys, and they did it, and they got their behinds kicked. They come running down the mountain, and Joshua cried out to God and said, what's the problem? The problem was Joshua never consulted God. He never said, God, I know you're giving us AI. However, what is the battle plan? How do you want us to do it? He did it on his own in the arm of the flesh by listening to people. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you listen to people, you're going to get in trouble. It doesn't mean that we don't want wisdom. I had tremendous wisdom that was always available to me from Pam's dad, from, from my grandfather who helped, you know, was instrumental in my life. Tremendous, an unlearned man from the world standard, but tremendously learned from wisdom. But Joshua learned a valuable lesson, and, and he, never, he never turned from seeking God's will until the very end. Uh, never turned from seeking God's will. Solomon, different story. Solomon had a problem, and his problem was that all of the riches and everything that he had, he stopped seeking the wisdom of God, honey. And, and really, a lot of people think of Solomon as this great man, and he was, but his life ended up a disaster. Yeah, in the end, you know, God had said from the very beginning uh, not, not to have foreign wives. Everybody say foreign wives. Foreign what wives. that meant was don't, don't be unequally yoked with people who don't believe what you believe. Everybody say, that's the wisdom of God. <clears throat> we tell young people, don't be dating somebody or going out with someone that doesn't believe in God and build a relationship because it's not going to work. Everybody say, it won't work. Because the Holy Spirit in the believer will begin to convict that person that this is not, this is not a relationship you should be in. And uh, yes, they may get saved, but once they get saved, then be in a relationship with them. Why is that? Because when you're unequally yoked, you're divided, and the wisdom then is not there for stability. That union will never be stable. It will always be going like this. And in Solomon's life, he, he had plenty of wives in before he decided to really begin to marry foreign women. And then he accumulated more and more wives, and in the end, he allowed them to build their uh, idols and in, in the very end, he began to worship the idols with them. That's right. And he lost everything. Now, how did he get from the place of, God, all I'm asking you for is wisdom so I can lead these people the way that they should be led and do what they're supposed to do to so many wives and worshiping idols? He didn't just do that one day and the next day. It, it was a slow process. Everybody say a slow process. And just like Jesus increased in wisdom... He decreased in his wisdom. There was a process there where he began to let go of the truth. And that's the slippery slope. It's very easy. Have you ever been on a boat ramp 
<coughs> where, uh, uh, where you have to be real careful. You have, uh, and it's so slippery. You could just all of a sudden you feel like you're okay, and then the feet go right right out from under you. And that's the slippery slope that Solomon's on. In First Kings chapter eleven, Solomon had a screw loose in his head because it said, "You shall not marry and intermarry with any of them." And it said he had seven hundred wives and three hundred concubines. That's a thousand women. Glory to God. No wonder he, he was wacko by this time. said they turned his heart away. And then in verse number four it says, His heart was not loyal to God as was his father's. There was some flaw. Well, I'll tell you what the flaw was. I, I'll tell you exactly what the flaw was. The flaw in Solomon was he stopped consulting with God. And he stopped letting the number one influence in his life be God it was actually some type of a sexual perversion, but I believe even worse than that, it was a pride of who he was and who God had made him to be. Lucifer fell because God had elevated Lucifer as an angel in, to lead the worship, and Lucifer started taking all the praise thinking he was somebody. There are a lot of people today that don't understand the tremendous danger of, of getting into self, and that when you get into self, it says self-seeking people will have confusion and every evil work, James 3.16, and that w once you start, it's a slippery slope. It's like, well, I'm not going to take the praise, but <laughs> the flattery sure is nice. I, sure, I, you know, I really enjoy that. If you don't take the praise, you'll never take the criticism, but once you start to take the praise, Solomon thought he was somebody that he wasn't. Solomon was a servant to God and, and was a loyal servant to God in the beginning, and then he slipped right down the slope, honey. You know, I believe that God uh, has wonderful things ahead for all of us, but uh, the counsel of the Lord always stands. Yep. That's what the Word of God says. The counsel of the Lord stands. What that means is, regardless of what's happening, whatever the counsel of the Lord is, that, that stability will be there for you to get through whatever you're going through as long as you stay focused on what God said to do, that wisdom. And um, I just thought of one example today when I was reading this uh, outline when, when Bill gave it to me. But uh, in 1979, some of you have heard that this a little bit of this, but in 1979, I had three children. I was a single mom. My children were uh, seven, nine, and 11. And I had been ministering to two people uh, that I knew that were good friends. They, had, they were both saved. They both got filled with the Holy Ghost. Their marriage got started going the right direction. They decided to go to ORU. He decided to go to school there. I was here in Lafayette with these three children. I was on Valium. I didn't sleep at night. Uh, I, was, I was confused. I was fearful. Uh, not a candidate to move 700 miles away from everybody I knew with three kids. Let's just say that. Uh, and so the, the wife of this man uh, went to ORU to apply for a job, Oral Roberts University. And when she was applying, they had two jobs. And so she called me because I had been counseling with them and trying to help them, trying to help me. I mean, we were all helping each other. Thank God no, we didn't all fall in the ditch. We all did go forward. Uh, but in the process, she said, could you just pray because I don't know which job to take. Now, I am, I am praying. I ask God for direction. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what to do with my kids and how to just stay on top of things. And I started to pray for her, and it was like somebody went, one of those jobs is for you. I thought, me? In Oklahoma? Now, I had taken them out there to see that university, so I knew where they were going. But that's all I knew about Oklahoma. I didn't know anything about Oklahoma. And so I hung up, prayed for her, and then I called her back. I said, you know, when I was praying, I felt like God said one of those jobs was for me. She said, that's why God told me to call you, because one of those jobs he told me was for you. I thought, oh, dear Jesus, I'm going to have to go to Oklahoma, <laughs> and I am a mess. And I have to take these three kids with me because, I, you know, their dad didn't really see them that much or have much involvement. And, uh, and so I said, okay. I'm coming. I told my parents, I am going to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I'm going to go work at Oral Roberts University. And my daddy said, it's a cult. 
it's a cult. It's a cult. I've heard it's a cult. And I thought, oh, my dad does not want me to go. And, you know, I'm a single mom. I got these three kids, so my dad is really who? My dad and my mom. So I flew out there. Long story short, I was only there three days. That My friends picked me up. We found an apartment that was right by Oral Roberts University. It was a, a townhouse. And it was the only one they had left. The, the man that uh, was turned out to be this guy's cousin that was a dean in the School of Medicine got me an interview with the dean that I would be working with. I never filled out an application. I never did anything except interviewed with that man. And when I finished the interview, I went back to their house, and I had to go catch a plane, and they were having chapel at ORU. Chapel at ORU, everybody goes. All the staff, everybody goes to chapel. So I thought, well, I guess I won't hear. He had a secretary stay and call me, and she said, you have the job. Be back here in two weeks. <laughs> two weeks. I got on an airplane, sat down next to a lady named Madeline Mims. She was an Olympic gold medalist, a runner. She was at ORU. So I began to talk to her, and she began to just minister into my life and speak to me. And she said, I believe it's a divine appointment. Only God could have done this for yeah. you. And in, I had been reading a, a book that said, when you're faithful with two, God will give you 20. That's how he promotes. There were 20 medical students that I would be working with, and I had just finished with those two. And they were all in Oklahoma. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I came home, I announced to everybody, I am leaving. <laughs> Get me a beacons truck, and I am out of here, Jack, with these kids. And I'm, I was so excited till I got on the road. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> what have I done? And my daddy went with me. He was in one car, and he had my son, John. I had the two little ones, and he got lost because <laughs> he went out there to help me, so I didn't get lost. He got lost. I, we finally made it to Tulsa, Oklahoma. We unloaded everything. I had to wait three days for my, all my property, which wasn't a lot, to get there. Unloaded it. I went to work at All Roberts University, and that year in my life, God healed me. Everybody say, God's wisdom. You would, nobody believed that would happen. It, I was such a changed person that when I came home and told my parents, God's told me to come back. It was really to marry him. But it, everybody say, God knows. God knows. God knows. And my parents said, don't come back. <laughs> Stay there. <laughs> You're doing really well. We don't need you to come back here. <laughs> Things weren't so good when you were here. But, you know, I came back. I'm, a year and a half later, I married my husband. And we moved back to Tulsa. And everything that happened to me, those connections that happened to me in that year, God used when we got back to Tulsa. And none of it made sense, especially to me or my parents. And my children didn't know where they lived. John just put everything in a box and held onto his box <laughs> of all his belongings. But, you know, it yeah. was God. Everybody say God. Yeah. See, the wisdom of God is not the wisdom of man. And it takes faith, and it takes confidence in God and not in people. If I had listened to my mom and dad, I, I, would, I was so fearful. Normally, I would never do anything that my dad said don't do. But it was like I was compelled to go after Jesus and that wisdom that God gave me. And I thank God today. I would never be who I am if I hadn't have made that step. And God is no respecter of persons. So whatever he's telling you tonight that just seems crazy, check. Because it might be him. And you got to make the step. Everybody say you have to take the step. Have to take the step. It's a great word, honey. And you live out of this prayer journal of writing down what you think God is showing you. When you talk to him, say, God, what is your wisdom? And, and just real quickly here, I was thinking when we first got, uh, got married, we're, we hadn't gotten married yet, but we were looking for a house to live in. And I remember driving down the side street, and I was a young Christian. I looked up at this house, and it had a for sale sign on it. And uh, um, Matt and, and Lori were running through the yard. Uh, they were in elementary school at the time. And instantly when I saw them, uh, the, I felt the Lord said, this is your home. And uh, so I called the guy who's a, a colonel at West Point and an instructor. And, uh, and I said, I'd like to rent your home. And he said, it's not for sale. It's for sale. It's not for rent. 
And I said, well, I'd just like to rent for right now. And he said, I'm sorry. And he's very short with me. I called that man five times. And every time he told me no. Every time he told me no. And I was ready to give up on the house. And one day I was praying. I said, God, I don't know what to do. I thought you were going to give us the house. I haven't been in the Word that much. But I, I mean, been saved that long. So this is all new to me. I don't know what to do. And this is what I heard in my spirit. Call him back again and tell him that you are really a wonderful guy. That's exactly what I heard. Be kidding me. I'll never forget calling this guy up, calling him up again. And I said, I just really want to rent your house. And I just want you to know I'm really a wonderful guy and I'll take care of this house. And just silence. Now remember, it's following the wisdom of God. Because the Word of God, the current Word of God, His wisdom is alive and active and more powerful than any two edged sword. And, he, and there's this quiet time. You are, huh? I said, yes, sir. I'll call you back. Click. Talk like a military man every time I talk to you. Ten minutes later, get a phone call. Okay, you can have the house. You can rent the house. Glory to God. Wisdom of God will never fail. Everybody say, wisdom of God? Never fail. Let's all stand. Hallelujah. Sweetheart. Oh, you're going to the piano, aren't you? That's right. I want you to know that your life will change forever. And you will have confidence, assurance. You will be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord when you know that any time you need wisdom, you ask of God and God will give it to you. God will speak to you and it does not have to be confirmed by other people. Is it great to have other people to know and, and to be in agreement with you? Yes. But you be careful about other people because sometimes God will speak to you and you'll go to somebody, Pam's dad, well-meaning, I'm sure, well-meaning, but you're going where to do what? With what kind of job and with no money? They're well-meaning, but they're not plugged in to where we're plugged in. When you plug into the wisdom of God, the power of God is there for you to accomplish what he has.